0: Okay, and welcome to another edition of the Reptile Living Room. This is kind of a uh, reptile roundtable experiment, as it were. Uh, Today, the federal government basically outlawed or banned uh, several species of python. So, while watching all the reaction going on on Facebook, I decided that I would call some people that I knew and uh, get their opinions on it and discuss, you know, what the next steps might be. um, How do we educate the public? How do we dissuade some of the fears and what have you? So, uh, basically, we're going to be speaking with Melissa Coakley and Bill, uh, her fiance. And I totally apologize, Bill. Um, I didn't catch your last name. I do apologize about that. Uh, we have Chris Law uh, from Crocodopolis, um, Jason White from Daily Reptile News, Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Echoes. And then, um, like I said, we basically discuss the ban. Um, some of the educational aspects of what's been happening, what do we do, how are we going to take our next steps, Uh, what does it mean for our future? You know, basically the whole nine yards really is what we discussed. And a lot of the comments made are really well thought out. These are really great people. Uh, There is some controversial stuff that we did talk about, uh, such as some of the people that are out there currently representing us in this uh, reptile realm as far as media is concerned so but you know without further ado uh, there was a lot of technical issues um, getting the call started uh, because I had my cell phone going my house phone going as well as two people on Skype and so regardless it was an experiment I think I think we pulled it off relatively well given the amount of time that I had to put it together So, we'd love to hear your comments in the comments field, uh, in the show notes, what have you. And, once again, it's all about, uh, you know, the Reptile Python ban and what we're going to do next. So, without further ado, here's the Reptile Roundtable. ...recording now. And, just so we all know, obviously we all know this is being recorded. We're going to broadcast this later without any reviews. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Anyway basic premise, we all have heard about this, the ban on the four giant snakes that threaten the Everglades is what the uh, thing is being called. So I guess the best place to start would be with Melissa, because Melissa actually called Fish and Wildlife and was pretty much told to go fly a kite. So Melissa, tell us about your experience today. Um, well, you know,
1: first I would like to start to say that Bill and I were in the Everglades last week, and we were there with the South Florida Herp Society um, for what they call the second annual Berm Bash. We did this last January, too, where um, yeah, there's probably 15 or 16 of us getting together, all field herpers, big field herpers, and last year, as well as this year, we didn't even find one berm. So, um, I, you know, I'm not convinced that they're there in in the numbers that they are. And Mm. and to that respect, even if they are, um, is this going to change, is this new law going to change anything with what's already there? Right. So, um, so today, out of utter frustration and calling everybody who, (laughs) everybody who I could find a number for, um, I went to the Department of the Interior website and found, you know, the contact number for the guy to call at Fish and Wildlife. And I called him a couple times and he didn't answer. I called back and left a message. And then maybe about three hours later, I got a call back from his secretary. And she told me that my message had been forwarded to her to deal with. So the guy didn't want to uh, deal with me personally. And basically what my issue was, was that um, after having you know gone to graduate school and spent so much time and money and effort trying to get this PhD, um, that now I won't be able to leave the state with my snakes if I find employment, you know, teaching in another state. And the response that I received were two things. First was that, you know, sorry, there's really nothing we can do. You're not alone. There's other people who feel this way, but it's a done deal. And then the second thing when I kind of kept pushing it was, uh, you know, there are amnesty events. You don't have to take things with you. You can give them out in an amnesty event. And they said, look, I'm the president of a herp society. We're putting on an amnesty day in April. I'm well aware of those events, but that's not an option. It's not an option for me to give up my snakes. And I think that's where they're missing the boat, is the fact that these responsible herpers, responsible reptile owners, are not going to give up their snakes. We're not going to let them loose. We're not going to leave and, you know, leave our animals behind us.
0: Right, and I think that's something Chris and I have talked to, talked together about before well jason and i have talked about it too as well as you know there is there are responsible reptile keepers out there but i don't think they've and, my, and this is again my personal opinion i don't think they've stood up and actually realized what was going to happen until today when it actually went down and they're like uh-oh they were serious right right and
1: even you know we looked on the um u.s petition site and there was close to twenty-five thousand letters But, I don't, I mean, I think we, you know, we really need to put
0: more effort. Right. Chris, what are your uh, thoughts on this, on the initial ban? Well,
2: I I think a lot of people, and I I made mention of this before, is that a lot of people dropped the ball assuming that the bad science that uh, that was involved in making this ruling was going to get called out, and everybody was just going to say, oh, you know what, okay, we screwed up our bad, and we'll drop the, the situation. And quite obviously that didn't happen now. It didn't go quite as bad as what uh, it could have. Yes, they could have included all nine, but uh, right now they've only encompassed four. But right now is, is not a time that we can drop everything and say, okay, then, you know, we, 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 we still have five, everything's good to go, everything's right in the world, uh, because we just, we can't, uh, we still have five, and they are, have already discussed uh, adding those two to the LASIAC, so, you know, that's still on the table, that's not something they're throwing back to us and saying, okay, you know what, we take, we're taking this, you guys keep these, that's uh, not guaranteed at this moment, so I think we'd be pretty stupid to walk away from this one and uh, and just throw caution to the wind.
0: Right. And uh, just so everybody knows, I think now that I have actually Marsha McGinnis on the line with us. Marsha, can you hear us?
3: I can hear you, John. I'm kind of struggling to hear uh, everybody else the, on the uh, speakerphone.
0: Okay. Let me see if I can rearrange this and put this in the center of the room to see if you can hear everybody. No, well, I, I probably should go to a nice, quiet place here, too, so... Okay. All right, so... Um, and Jason, what's uh, what's your thoughts on? Whoops, we lost Jason for a second. I'm here. Oh, he's there. Okay. So, what's your thoughts on the uh, Python ban that's gone through? Are you talking to me now. Yeah. Why,
4: why do you make me answer after Chris? More <laughs> <laughs> people go last. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I
5: too many people that thought other people were going to fight for them, and they didn't have to get up their ass and say or do anything about it. Right. You know, I understand there's a lot of people out there that sign petitions. I personally am a firm believer that an online petition
0: does nothing to support your cause. It's just somebody gathering a statistic. But, Mm. you know, in the letters that were sent, but it, it dwarfs the population of households in America that currently have reptiles in them. Yeah, very true.
4: Okay. Like, like Chris said, they just expected that this was just going to all go away. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many things I saw said today that I've seen said for months now that were completely dismissed. And all of a sudden, they're important now.
0: Right, right. Now, <clears throat> so, Marcia being one of the uh, individuals that's actually not necessarily a python breeder, but a breeder in the industry, or in the community, rather... What is your What are your personal thoughts on this ban?
3: Um, I, I do keep pythons. Okay. But I have chosen not to breed them at this point. But
5: I think that the python ban is. Uh, I, I I'm not really surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually. Um, I guess if we have to have uh, bad news, the good news is that, that not every injurious species made the you know made the ban, which is. Good. Right. Um, but I'm looking at it from the perspective
3: of the majority of people uh, out there who keep uh, snakes, especially constrictors, um, ball pythons, especially. Um, a lot of them are just. Um, I shouldn't say just. They are hobbyists. And I don't
5: think that they realize what the impact of something of this magnitude could
3: have um, as it trickles down. Um, And they just don't, they didn't take any action. And I think we as breeders and as people that are a little higher profile sometimes in the hobby or in the industry, uh, it's our responsibility to you know to really um let let people know um that every single opinion and vote counts on things like this and that their voice is needed and you know um and educate to get rid of uh get rid of these um uh, ill conceived notions that uh, obviously are, are based on um you know scare tactics and
5: ignorance
0: right and you know that's something else too that I wanted to bring up to the group if I may is you know when this all started because I, I know this has been going on for many many years and then it seemed like as soon as the little girl lost her life to a badly in my opinion a badly kept species of python mm-hmm. then every everybody in the world as far as politi- politics were concerned got a fire into their ass to say oh god let's go ban it you know let's go ban everything reptilian right now Any thoughts on that, guys?
1: Um, Yeah, Bill actually made an interesting point just now. He said that those people didn't have the correct permits to to keep that Burmese python.
0: Right. Oh, so there's already been permits. There should have been permits in place then to keep those snakes originally.
1: Yeah, what they were calling the rock permit or the reptile of concern permit at the time.
0: Oh, okay. See, I didn't even know that was even, Mm -hmm. I I didn't know anything about that. Very well, not only
3: that, she's she's right. But from what I from what I understand too, I mean, well, I mean, just in the nature of, of keeping reptiles
5: and, and pythons for all these years, um, I mean, had that python been housed properly, fed properly, mm-hmm. uh, kept properly, and, and I don't I don't believe that that terrible tragedy would have happened. Yeah,
0: you and know, that, but that didn't get publicized as much as the tragedy, obviously. Yeah, and that's something that Chris and I have. Talked, I mean, it seems like to death now, but it can never be talked about enough is the whole point of You know, if you own a reptile you have to be responsible But and the point I always bring up is it all starts with the shows with the original breeders that are selling snakes to you know, either um, Individuals or companies or whoever they're selling snakes to the person you're selling that snake to has to understand or have some inkling of understanding that hey, this thing is going to get, you know, twenty something feet long and weigh as much as a linebacker, and you know you better be damn well prepared to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Chris, what are your uh, what's your take on this? Well, um, going back to what she was mentioning about everything beginning
2: with the breeder or the dealer, um, I think this is a very critical thing, and I think that a lot of people neglect just how important this is in our community uh, for a lot of people that get started as a herb keeper, their very first introduction to that if they're not from um, you know an earlier generation that got started in the field, nowadays most people are getting their introduction to herpeticulture at herb shows or you know possibly at a pet store that happens to specialize in reptiles so how they react to um, basically the Husbandry requirements of this animal, and whether or not they are going to go above and beyond to meet those or exceed them, is all going to start with how the breeder or dealer um, presents it to that purchaser. So, if the uh, if the, somebody walks into a pet store or walks into an expo and they're not questioned, they're not. Uh,
5: you know, all you have to do is engage the customer a little bit. Right. Try to
2: find out where, what, what their level of knowledge is on this animal. And when it comes to a Burmese python or a retic or a green anaconda or a venomous species or an alligator or something of that magnitude, you have to take into consideration that most people are not going to be openly prepared for that, especially as a, as a first reptile. <laughs> so a lot of people neglect that whenever they're, they're making their deals. Uh, they're looking for that almighty buck, and that is what's come back to bite us in the ass right this very moment. Uh, a, a lot of the people, while I, I will say that it was not releases that, uh, from the average keeper that caused this problem in the Everglades right. in the first place, yeah. I'm sure that that did not you know, help it. Any. I'm sh- I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that people did, especially once the news reports first came out that Bernie's pythons were in the Everglades. If somebody was in Florida and they were looking to get rid of a snake, guess what they probably did with it? Oh so they sure. Realized, hey, they can live out there, they can survive, why not dump it? Um you got a lot of bleeding hearts that are saying, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I don't want my, my python to die. I don't want to euthanize it, why not let it live free? And when the news reports are, are exaggerating the situation with the with the Burmese yeah. pythons in the first place, this gives them the mindset, well hey, bingo, I can turn it loose in there. So there's no doubt in my mind that it did happen a couple of times, and I think if breeders and dealers had been more involved in trying to say, you know what, these snakes are not for everybody, and if you do get in over your head... Come back to me. Talk to me. Here's my number. Keep it. If you have any questions on their husbandry or, or housing or anything, let me know. Uh, if you was more involved with your customers, I think that we could reduce a lot of these problems that we're having today.
0: Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> before getting to Jason and his thoughts on this, you know, because even Melissa uh, mentioned, you know, these amnesty days that um, her her biological. Um, uh, Team, sorry, that's the wrong name. Um, <laughs> the Hurt Club out there that she uh, is attending has these amnesty days where they're actually taking in unwanted reptiles. Now, Melissa, how does that work? Actually, does somebody just drop a snake off at your door, or I mean, how does that work?
1: Um, they're all done in conjunction with Fish and Wildlife. Okay. I- World did one, and now we're uh, Suncoast Terp Society in in Clearwater, we're doing one in April, and we uh, have a meeting spot um, in a a town that's sort of close between Tampa and Orlando, Mm -hmm. and it's it's open for that day, everybody comes in, and they bring their animals, and no questions asked, uh, and they just drop them off, and what you do if you want to get one, you fill out a form on the Fish and Wildlife website to become an approved adopter for a specific animal, like if you want a tegu, right? You fill out the form, uh, you're writing down the requirements, kind of proving that you know the dietary needs and, and so forth of the animal that you want. You get approved, you get a letter of approval in the mail. You bring that with you to the amnesty day and then as you know, a tegu or whatever comes up, you have the opportunity to take it home. You can, you can look at it and check it out first and see if you actually want to take it home and then, and then it's yours if you do. Wow. Okay. Is this a community thing or a state thing or a county? I mean, um, how does this how does this work? As far as uh, who's who's involved um, in the in the amnesty and who who is
3: um can, can adopt
1: them?
0: Did you catch that, Melissa?
1: I, I didn't really catch it. Sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, not a problem. Basically, Marsha was asking, um, is it a state thing or who um who decides? Community or? Yeah, is it a community? I mean, who decides who gets to adopt what?
1: Um, it's supposed to be a lottery, right? So if there's ten people who have, you know, that they want the so, so boa constrictor, right? Then you're, you know, you're the ten people that are getting the boas. They'll pick one, and then that person comes up first. And the next time, they'll pick another person randomly. Okay. So
5: then, so
0: Okay, so Jason.
1: Right, so, I mean, is, is that I don't know. So there's some people have an issue with that.
0: Right, right, understood. So Jason, what's your uh, thoughts on uh, on the whole reptiles' responsibility and you know that kind of thing?
4: How far back should I go?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna go back to the story of the little girl that died in Florida. Okay.
4: that that is uh you know as tragic of a story as it is it was the exact sob story that they needed to try to push something like this and that's the reason why they're still i, I think i even read an article today that mentioned that in it still mm-hmm. and um as far as the breeders at, at expos and stuff though i've talked to a few of them and I, I was i was really surprised at how many of them believe that when the sale's over their um their responsibility and care over the matter is over as well
0: interesting Mm. Okay. So well, the, the questions that I would have about that, and, and, and that's, I mean, that's for, for readers or, or sellers at shows or, or um, you know, to, to have a responsibility to make sure that the prospective uh, buyer
3: or taker for this animal is fully aware of the responsibilities um, and requirements for the animal, but that doesn't say much for...
0: Right, right. Now, how did what's your uh, what is everybody's thoughts on that? Because we just heard Marcia talking about you know the the big box store, you know, basically you, the Petco and um, PetSmart's of the industry that are built around that impulse buy. Now, Melissa, let's start with you. What is your thoughts on that? That you know about these stores selling these types of snakes on the impulse buys? Well.
1: Um, you
5: see that,
1: you know, well, well, that's true,
5: they're,
1: they're not selling, we're not, we're not selling like Nile monitors and Burmese pythons anymore, here in Florida, mm-hmm. um, a years ago, it was ago, but, but even still, you look at some of the setups and, you know, they're not the best, right, right. you're with a big dish of water <laughs> in, in the tank, right, Lovely. It's just things that, that don't necessarily make sense, um, we, were, we saw a Cayman lizard uh, at one of the shows, and there was, it was like only a little bit of water. And, you know, we have a Cayman lizard, and we keep this huge thing of water, and he spent most of his time in the water. So it's like a lot of times just the basic necessity information isn't there. Okay. okay. But if I, if I can, like,
5: add to that a little bit, you sure. know,
1: another good point that Bill had made while we were listening in is, is that, um, you know, this idea of people letting their pets go, letting their snakes go, um, in the Everglades, with, with the whole thing with the Burmese python, if it was from the pet trade, why haven't they seen any uh, more?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. I totally agree with that, too. And, you know, this is something that I actually spoke with um, Sean Heflick from uh, Python Hunters about, was, you know, the amount of the snakes that are actually out there, you know, because in the media we've all heard it. You know, there's ten thousand, there's a million, you know, what have you? Sean Heplick, who's actually who's employed to go out and look for these things, pretty much said the same thing that you know Melissa said earlier. There's not that many out there. There really are not. You know, it, and you know, not to put Chris on the spot, but kind of you know, my example for. Um, my statement would be, you know, Chris was just recently, I don't know how recent it was, but was called out to go find this cro- or alligator in this river, and, you know, he couldn't find it. But, again, it's like, I'll let Chris tell the entire story, but you're looking for a needle in a haystack. You know, so it's like, okay, are there really that many, or are there not that many, and, you know, we just can't find them, or what's the deal?
1: park, I mean, if you drive straight through from the entrance to the park, all the way to the end, it's like a 30-mile drive, mm-hmm. and a lot of the ones that we see have been right on the road, right, like, stretched out on the main road. Okay. Um, They do, we've been into the park, kind of walking around in, in deeper areas, and we've seen what we believe are, you know, people's attempt at traps. Okay. Off, and, you know, we kind of, you know, peeked around in there, we didn't see anything, but we figured that's what it is, so... I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of people involved in trying to figure it out. Right. But um, we try to stay pretty plugged into what's going on and what they're finding down there. And, you know, just from friends that we have in that area, mm-hmm. um, in the last two years, it, it, the numbers have really dropped.
0: Right, right. And, you know, the other thing, too, and maybe Chris can uh, shed a little bit of light on this as well. What was this thing with the saltwater that I saw that? you know, now they're worried because the snakes can survive in salt water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know Chris has been on this because...
2: <laughs> they're expecting that, you know, I mean, I've even heard them go as far as to say that they could be riding on the backs of, of American crocodiles through, uh... And that's a su- you know, no awesome! American, no, yeah, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm blowing my mind on this one. Um, they're, they're, they're thinking that they're going to be riding on the backs of alligators and crocodiles and That they could uh, potentially utilize the salt water and be able to uh, uh, relocate themselves throughout the United States, uh, uh, basically traveling the ocean lines. And I'm just I'm laughing hysterically as I'm reading this because it's just absolute garbage in every capacity. And sure that you know, yeah, is it uh, could a, a young Burmese python jump on the back of an alligator and stay on for a little while? Sure is. Is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? Highly unlikely. <laughs> it, it's it, it just it's all junk science, science and hype. That's all it, right. it ever has been, and that's all they're pushing now.
0: Right, right. So now, Jason, in your opinion, where do we go from here? I mean, what are we supposed to do now?
4: Oh Jesus! <laughs> He's not gonna miss. Just... <laughs> Um, that, that's a really tough call, John, and I think it really depends on who you ask.
0: Okay, well, now we're asking you, so you're on the spot. <laughs> right,
4: great, I can make more enemies. <laughs> um, my, my personal opinion is, it, it, you know, it, it's to preach responsible ownership. I mean, that, that's uh, the... They, they talk about us setting the snakes free. Well, I, I mean, who, who knows how true that is, how many of them are set free, how many of them are set free due to Hurricane Andrew? Who knows anymore? But, you know, it does happen. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't see any reason. If there's any, why would anybody even set one free anyway? I have no idea why. Um, obviously, they got into something they
0: had no clue what they were getting into because they weren't educated when they bought it. Right. But, uh, I don't know, John. It's a hard call. Okay. Uh, Melissa and Bill and the uh, Suncoast Herp Group, <laughs> everybody in the car there that's uh, driving through Florida right now, what are your guys' thoughts on you know, where do we go from here now to um, just make further banning of more reptiles, I guess is the best way to put it. It's just going
6: to be a constant uphill battle. That they're going to try to wear us down, and then just, uh-huh. uh, after a while, people are just going to give up. There's going to be only so much time. You know, we've, I spend most of my time taking care of animals and then doing my full-time job, plus right. my club stuff. So I don't have a lot of time to commit to, you know, fighting in Congress every other day. Right. Like PETA, the Humane Society, they have million dollars of budget to throw at stuff like this. Right. Exactly. As long as we can do what we can to keep everybody as interested, you know, and just keep the fight going as long as we can. Right. But it's going to be nothing but an uphill battle from here on in. Yeah. Um, I've said I've been sitting here kind of doing stuff here and there, and, sure. um Saying that you know, with all these Burmese pythons that are in the Everglades, I've been in this business, you know, for a real long time, and everybody I know. Doesn't breed normal ball, pi- uh, normal Burmese python. Everybody was breeding albinos, greens, granites, everything <laughs> that they could pick a morph because that's where the money was at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they've proven that most of these snakes are genetically really close in the Everglades, but they never really publicized that because that's going to put a damper on their cause. Um, we're down there a couple times a year looking for snakes, and we're not seeing them. Mm-hmm. I think that at this point, we do know the areas that the snakes are supposed to be the heaviest, and they're just not there. The storms keep coming through, knocking them back. Cold
0: snap. It's
6: a cold snap. Um, uh-huh. Every big snake that I've ever lost was to a respiratory infection, and that's in St. Pete, Florida, so I'm like midway through the state. So there's no way that I feel that they would break past Orlando or even Fort Myers area. Mm-hmm. But the specific, you know, community has kind of thrown their backing behind these people that want to keep us from having these things. Now, we've got the permits. We had the permits um, for keeping Burmese pythons, for keeping money anaconda. You know, our biggest fear is that they're going to add the boas to them next. Um, you know, I've got at least seven or eight big boas, you know, that, you know, wherever we go, you know, we're going to want to be able to bring all our stuff with us. Right. But now can't cross state lines with Our anacondas and the Burmese python. Um, All this stuff originally was a voluntary, like, permitting system here in Florida. Um, They didn't even let it really get a chance to establish itself. Um, Those people that had the baby that was killed, um, those people were drug addicts. They were in and out of jail. You know, it's, I truly believe that they killed the child and threw the snake on it. You know, you never heard anything about, like, an autopsy done on that child to find out that if the ribs were crushed, you know like as if the snake had actually coiled it yeah you could probably get a snake to bite anything if you smack it in the face and that with it mm-hmm. but true they never, that snake was probably like seven foot long looking at the people that were holding it in the pictures and stuff like that and it was huh. probably about half the weight that it should have been so i don't even think that it was a very strong healthy snake to begin with right interesting try to pass a law or put something through, all of a sudden there's a Yeah. In between, the, in between the phones,
0: we can't hear what she's saying on our end. Okay. We could. <laughs> yeah, she was just about to comment on uh, Swamp Brothers and, you know, some of the other television shows that basically, you know, the American public eats this kind of stuff up.
5: Wow. So, I
1: mean, they wanted, you know, a, a president of a society.
0: Chris, what are your uh, thoughts on this? Where do we go from here? Oh, boy. Um... <clears throat> Real quick, before we let uh, Chris uh, jump in here, I did post it on Facebook that we were all having this uh, impromptu reptile roundtable and asked for people to comment. And I've been on this one. <laughs> What's that? I've been on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is going to hit a lot of nerves. Um, so. oh it... If, if it offends somebody, so be it. This was a comment that was made. You guys can all see it on the on the page. Uh, Jeff West asks, "Do you feel that US Ark made good use of the donations they acquired? Do you feel that more could be more could and should have been done using media outlets and possibly celebrity endorsements? Do you think it is in poor taste that at this moment US ARC is touting this?" Quote, U.S. ARC says five of nine species of constrictor, retics, bows, and three anacondas will not be listed. FWS had to lie and cheat to get burbs, Africans, and yellow anaconda, when in actuality they failed completely, and the species they quote-unquote saved could possibly now be easily added, and they were simply left off for now to lessen the blow. So... (laughs) Before Chris and uh, Jason get started, Marcia, um, what is your um, thoughts on that comment or comments, as it were?
5: I'm I'm I i i do not
0: know these people well enough to use the language that uh, I would like to use. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the folks in Florida, Marcia just said that she doesn't know the people well enough to use the language that she would like to. <laughs> They always hear the good ones, you know.
3: Well, <laughs> right, right now there's this like 30, 30 page thread going on on fauna fauna's boi about Andrew Wyatt and USR ripping everybody off. Um, it, 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 I mean it would take it, it would take a couple of hours to sit and wade through all of that crap, literally. Um, so I'm gonna withhold any real opinions other than if they think they can do a better job at lobbying for our rights, then put them on a plane and send them to
0: Washington. Right, right. I mean, um, I can't think of. I
3: mean, uh, pit bulls? Do they? They don't have it. So But, you know, some of these other ones are just, I mean, they're complete idiots, and and I can just see uh, people from the HSUS, you know, uh, or PETA or whatever going on there and saying, well, this is a good, good, accurate representation of the mentality of the people that keep reptiles. Right, right.
0: So, our folks over in Florida, did you guys catch all that?
1: Um, Yeah, the the idea of us banding together and or not banding together, Mm -hmm. um, I think that speaks volumes.
0: Right, right.
1: But, I mean, I guess with the 25,000 signatures, you know, that may be a a decent starting point because I know with us, with the Reptile Clubs and some of our friends, Mm -hmm. they're not really plugged in. So, I mean, from our experience... A lot, of, a lot of the reptile hobby, you know, we still send out newsletters for our club, um, mm-hmm. paper newsletters, hard copies, right. instead of going the email route, because a lot of the members in the club
6: aren't, aren't on the internet. They're, they don't have access to this stuff.
0: Right. Very true.
6: The reason why these people are, like, taking us out is because we are kind of a minority. After us, they're going to be going after the fish people. After that, they'll be going after the bird people. And then eventually, they'll get around to the dog and cat people. Right. They want to start with the dog and cat people because they're already too powerful and they've got too much money.
0: Yeah, so I hear you.
6: us being a minority and then us all doing our own thing, it, it is kind of hard.
0: Right, right. And I hear you.
6: I think that U.S. is actually trying to do good for us, mm-hmm. where there really wasn't, there's P.J.A.C., which is the only other group and, you know, it seems like now Pete Jack is getting real heavily involved because they can see what's going to happen down the road that after they try to shut down the reptile trade then they're going to go after the other one and they will probably go after the fish and the bird next Right. you know, hearing, hearing things here and there, like, you know they're starting to find lionfish and stuff like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or in the Keys um, you know, so they're using that as an excuse to try and get some laws put into play They have kinds of exotic birds here in Florida, you know, but I know that when different hurricanes have came through, people at the Miami Zoo shut the doors and then ran, you know, save their own ass. Oops, sorry.
0: Right, right. But, you know,
6: know, it's going to be easier for them to to pick on us. Yeah. Like I said, they've got so much money. They've got all these, you know, senators. We've been fighting with Bill Nelson here in Florida. Oh God! You know this guy like his like main secretary is like a big person in PETA. Oh, lovely. Stuff like that, you know. Um, we, I read in a newspaper article that um, Fish and Game they have like a, a, like a board, and PETA has submitted like their applicants for it. The Humane Society did it. Um, the Nature Conservancy put their people in there. And they wound up taking somebody from like the cattle association, which is like kind of the best <laughs> thing for us because if any one of those people would have gotten on the board, you know, it would have just made it that much easier for them to pass whatever the law they wanted. Oh, not yeah, yeah. The kind of stuff that they want to do. Right, Florida. right. And you know, Florida setting the precedence. Um, we've been out to uh, reptile shows out in Texas, and you know, now Texas is starting to follow. After Texas, who's going to be? You know the next state to follow the laws. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, I still say that if they would have given the given the permitting system a real chance, um, I think that it would have been more than enough. But by them shutting it the, shutting this down in a lot of different things, you know, it's just going to make hard times ahead.
0: Right. Right.
6: Well, here, here in San Francisco, they they put up a thing just
3: to ban all pets. Period.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that
3: even cats and dogs
0: right right even uh,
3: cats and dogs that's how that's how um, per- pervasive this HSUS and PETA organization is and they they must be they must have unlimited funds so all this money that they collect from putting all these cute puppies and kittens on TV to get people to donate is going to line the legislators pockets
0: right right
3: Because they seem to to
0: have an awful lot of clout, you know, especially here in California. Yeah. So, now, Chris, um, I don't know where you want to start with this. (laughs) Because it's like we, we went with the, you know, whole, you know, who's protecting us kind of thing, and then, you know, where do we go from here? So I'll just shut up and let you start wherever you want.
2: tackle the uh, U.S. question uh, by Jeff. Okay. Um, do I feel that they did everything that they probably could have? Uh, I'm going to be blunt. No, I don't. Uh, do, do I realize that uh, they were trying to tackle a big issue and um, it, it does take a lot more manpower and, and, and money and resources in order to accomplish everything that, that uh, probably re- would have required in order to have any true ground be covered? Uh, by our end, uh, yeah, I do realize that. But at the same time, I think that there are a lot more articles could have been uh, written in order to, and uh, press releases in order to try to engage more people. Uh, I think that uh, they could have tried to get a little bit more news media coverage, uh, positive news media coverage, that is. And I'm not saying that we haven't had our moments where we have had uh, some, uh, some decent news releases that uh, weren't too harsh on our end but at the same time they weren't near enough in order to overcome the overwhelming number that were very much against us so i think that we could have done a lot more but you know the thing is that the whole issue by and large is that it doesn't just lie on the shoulders of usr i don't care whether you're handing them um, a paycheck every month every month or whether you just pay a one-year membership or whatever the case might be the bulk of the work really does lie on the shoulders of the general keepers the general population of keepers if we are not getting involved, if we are not also trying to take steps in order to start making some changes, no matter what USARC does, it's not going to mm-hmm. make a difference. So I think that while I do think that USR could have done more, at the same time, this is not entirely their battle and their battle alone, and I think this is where the, the Herb community has gone wrong. Once USARC did get established, is that everybody just threw the entire basket to USARC and said, here. You guys deal with this now. We'll pay our membership fees, and you guys have fun with this. And let us know when you win. That was, you know, pretty much the general mentality that I got from a lot of people. And quite honestly, it was sickening. It was quite, it was quite pathetic to, to think that people would just assume that they could just pay a membership fee, and that was going to be the cure all for all of their problems. Um, now, as far as where we're going to go from here, I think that we have a multiple. Uh, alleyway that we can choose to, to attack this problem. Uh, for starters, I think that what we'd like to do at this point is go through all of the articles that were recently released, take their statements, and nitpick them. I mean break them down into meticulous detail, write multiple articles, start releasing them, put them under intense pressure, let the American people know that these people are morons. We can break them down, it it does not take a rocket scientist, it does not take a scientist of any assortment to be able to take a look at what they're proposing that they're trying to do and look at what they're really doing and see, what that doesn't make any sense, that's not going to work. How are you fixing a Florida issue by limiting interstate transfer, but still everybody else gets to keep the Pythons, you can still breed them within your state, you just can't take them over state lines that's not helping to prevent an established population elsewhere even if climate change did establish suitable conditions year round for a population to get established that's not helping that end in the end it still breaks it down to the states uh, alone but now you just prevented anybody else from moving to another state that might allow it from another state that doesn't or whatever the case might be and in my personal opinion i think that's exactly what their objective was if they narrow it down to where you cannot move over state lines, you're stuck with where you are, then other states are going to panic and say, well, if the federal government is trying to ban these animals from, from ownership, mm. then why the hell are we still allowing these people to own these animals? So then they're going to follow suit. They're going to start bans on these animals, and then
5: that all collapses from there. Right.
2: Uh, no I yeah. think that we need to start engaging, uh, start utilizing our damn resources for a change. Uh, we have so much uh, it's it, it just astonishes me the number of intelligent people that we have in this company in this community, and so many different people have different skill sets you know between designing websites to doing videography work and things like that. If if we can embrace all of these talents and put them together and really unite a strong front, we could get out and reach so many other people. Uh, we'd be able to reach non-Hurt members. We'd be able, this could also be used in education for conservation purposes, not just uh, fighting for our rights. Um, I do think that if we was to try to embrace a lot more people uh, that, uh, that do videography work and things like that and start trying to get some good educational programming out there, even if it's by YouTube, uh, YouTube can get a lot of hits, especially if you you know you push it right. You know, Facebook is a good way to uh, to deliver these messages. Um, there's so many other websites, and if you can get USR's website to go out, and you know, eventually Google searches will take over. But the mm-hmm. problem is, is we have to put forth the work in the first place, and if you don't do it, it's never going to go anywhere. And that's exactly where we are. We've all just sat there and twiddled our thumbs, sat back, hoped USR was just going to be the you know the silver bullet that's going to end all of our misery with the legislative mm-hmm. issues, and now it's come back and bit us in our ass, and pretty soon it's going to swallow.
0: Right, right. So I think pretty much everyone can agree, you know, that it's basically about educating the public. That, you know, reptiles are not this evil monstrosity waiting around every corner to swallow Fifi the poodle. And, you know, they're not out there eating small children from the Everglades, you know. And, you know, when you do sell or adopt out a reptile, you know, make sure, like we all are doing, that these people are aware of what they're getting themselves into. You know, but I I have to agree with Chris as far as you know. We need to band together. So, where do we band together? Because you know everybody wants to support something, and everybody also wants to blame something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know, is there an organization out there that we can support? You know, granted we're supporting U.S. Ark, but you know, did they do all that they could do? I don't know personally. I'm, you know, um, I was at the last show and I saw a financial report uh, that was handed out from USARC. And, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I still have a lot of questions um, in regards to that. Now, how hard would it be to start an organization, you know, where we did band together and, you know, start changing some of these things. And, you know, my biggest thing is, is, you know, because when I started doing what I do, you know, everybody and their mother was, oh, yeah, I'm all over it. I'll help you out. I'll help you out. All of a sudden, when it became work, everybody scattered. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. Is this something that's going to be allowed to continue? Or, you know, I mean, we all know that there's no silver bullet. Is there any other suggestions that we have? Um, let's go for our people in Florida before we lose them because my battery's dying on my phone. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Well, you know, I think the most important thing is that we we, we think bigger than the herb community and, and kind of, you know, get everybody involved to understand what's happening.
5: You know, no, if you point. have any
1: kind of pet, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, get involved, spread the word, and, and for me personally, I mean, I'm a big fan of hump societies, and right. I think mean, that's one way, you know, to try to get the words out there. To band together, as you know, with your home society, get out there, do presentations, you know, uh, go to schools, do teachings, and, and just get the word out there that these are great pets. These are great, fantastic, interesting creatures.
0: Right, very definitely. So, Jason, what about you? What do you think?
4: Or should
0: I start? <laughs> Wherever you want to, man.
4: Um, for, first of all, am I allowed to be honest? Totally. And do you want to say a disclaimer first? <laughs> hey, <man. laughs>
0: okay,
4: I'm going to answer this question directly. Okay. And since John doesn't want to do it, I'll say that these views don't necessarily reflect the views of everybody. <laughs> but to answer directly, Mr. West, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's not a matter of what they didn't do or what they could have done. It's a matter of what they did do, and I didn't see anybody else doing anything more. The bottom line is the modern-day media doesn't give two shits about our community. They've already shown that in the past. Celebrity endorsements cost way too much. And, you know, I don't see anybody else sitting up in Washington speaking for us. I don't see anybody else traveling around the country going to shows speaking for us like Andrew Wyatt does. Like, I've seen him at every show I've been to locally. And it, it just really, really bothers me that the first finger that people start pointing at are the people that have been trying to help us out here.
0: All right. Marcia? I agree. Okay.
3: I agree
0: 100%. True. Okay. Chris?
2: Um, you know, like I said, there's not going to be a single organization out there that's going to be absolutely perfect. And you know, and, and, I, and I've said before, have they done things that I have? Um, have they been doing everything that I would have liked to see them do? No. But at the same time, they're doing something. They are. We still have a voice. We still have them. You know, they have a foot on Capitol Hill, and that's exactly what we need. And we don't have that anywhere else. So I, you know, if we have criticisms. USR, we can do one of two things. We can either establish another organization that you know is meant to fill the holes that we see that are missing from USR, or we can approach S-Arc, and say, hey, um, you know, we understand you guys are doing you know X, X, and X, but you know, what about incorporating this? What about doing that? What about doing this? Mm-hmm. And hope that they will try to change, uh, you know add that to the curriculum and say, okay, uh, we see where that could be a benefit and let's, let's see what we can do about it, making that happen. Um, right now they're established, they are moving forward, they are doing some things, you know, and as, if, as long as everybody else is sitting there with their thumb up their butt trying, you know, basically criticizing, um, I think that that's going to, uh, are you guys still there?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're still here. Okay, everything went
2: quiet for some reason. Um, as long as we're just sitting here standing by idly and, you know, you can't even do, do so much as send an email, you can't send a letter. Uh, so it, it just it shames me knowing how many herpers that we do have within the United States and we couldn't even get 25,000 letters
0: sent on time. Yeah. I mean, that, that, is, that speaks
2: volumes for the mindset of, of the, the, your
0: average keeper. Right, right, I hear you very definitely. And uh, Now, before we all uh, run off and go our separate ways, um, what I would like to do is have everybody kind of introduce themselves, because we kind of skipped that part in the beginning, (laughs) just because of all the technical difficulties of trying to have a conference call on Skype, uh, a BlackBerry phone, (laughs) and a house phone. (laughs) So uh, let's start with our folks out in Florida. Uh, if you could introduce yourself real quickly and just give us a little bit of background.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Um, hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's Melissa Coakley, and, uh, basically I live out here in Florida, and, uh, I teach philosophy, uh, obviously a big reptile enthusiast, um, you know, really big brilliance field roping, and, uh, with me
6: is my fiancé, Bill Mari. Hello. Hey, Bill. Um, pretty much been breeding different reptiles for at least the last 15 years, um, mostly turtles and tortoises these days, but I do a lot of uh, boas, you know, mainly a uh, pet store, pet trade animals. I um, do keep quite a few venomous things too, but um, yeah, they am big uh, into uh, field surfing also, that's definitely one of the things that we uh, want to you know, get out there and do as much as we possibly can.
0: Awesome, awesome. And, uh, Marcia, let's start with you next. Well, um, I'm going on my 17th year working with reptiles, and um, I am
5: certainly not what a lot of uh, people's stereotypical uh, (laughs) ideas of a a reptile keeper is. uh, I'll
3: be 58 years old on my next birthday, and I'm a grandmother of five. Um, I'm also a wedding minister, and I keep... Reptiles. (laughs) Nice. And I have a tremendous uh, uh, amount of dedication to this uh, community and hobby and industry and uh,
5: that goes beyond my own personal
3: interests. And I hope to keep it that way. And I just, I think that um, uh, we all get busy and I'm very busy. But um, I think if we can, in, in a case like this, just ask Andrew or each other or whatever, what can I do? And whatever on a small scale it is, it's got to be grass roots, and we, we we put the we put the little uh, we lay the sod, and, and and hopefully the roots will take uh, will take uh, effect and start spreading, and that's how we have to handle this.
0: Very good point. Very good point. And uh, so next, let's uh, have Jason White. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jason White. I
4: uh, I got my first reptile when I was 11 years old. It was a Western Fence Lizard. I've been yeah, interested in and/or keeping reptiles for 22 years now. And um, gosh, what else? The person you love to hate, I guess.
0: <laughs> what about your website, Jason? Come on, man! This is a business opportunity here. Well, I'm not uh,
4: here to pimp myself
0: out. Are you kidding me? Uh, but All right, this is this is Jason White from the Daily Reptile News. Just so everybody knows, Jesus.
4: Just lost <laughs> I just lost half of my um, so on,
0: and, and on that note, I would like to uh, touch on what
4: Chris said earlier, where we go from here. Um, but like he said, we have such a plethora of, of skills within our own community. Um, you know, we need to start looking within to, to, to fix our problem. Animal planet's not going to help, help us. <laughs> it's it, but it, it, it just, everybody already knows the Humane Society is screwed up, So, so stop talking about it. Right. It, it, you know, there's so much attention paid to the bad that goes on, but so little attention paid to the good.
0: Very true. Very true.
4: People ask me every day why I don't talk about good stuff.
0: Yep. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Alright, Chris, you're up, sir. Uh, my name is Chris Law. I'm
2: Director of the Zoological Operations of Crocodopolis. Uh, Primarily focused on crocodilian education, research, and, and rescue. Um, I've been a lifelong herper. I've been keep, I've kept a wide range of, of reptiles, uh, between harmless colubrids to venomous reptiles to large constrictors. And I've had a uh, <laughs> I'm I'm one of the few people that you'll probably ever meet that could use that uh, that old saying. I'm up to my ears and alligators and. me. <laughs> But uh, that being said, I, I'm very devoted to, this, uh, to the herpological community, and it's something I, I, uh, I'm very prideful of. And I really hope that we can get our crap together and really uh, start changing some things around. Otherwise, you know, what, what's to say uh, that we're going to have left for the next generation of herpers and the next generation after them?
0: Yeah, I think that's you know one of the biggest points that you know I want to touch on here myself is you know we're all doing this for the next generation. And, you know, that's something we need to be mindful of is, you know, the amount of education that really goes out there to these uh, kids, whether they be at shows or be in an educational seminar, um, what have you. Um, me, personally, I've done a lot of educational seminars myself, and I can't think of a better feeling than seeing a 6- or 8-year-old come across you in Vans or what have you and go, Hey, Mom, Mom, there's that snake guy. And guess what? It's not poisonous, mom. It's venomous. That's one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life, you know, because the mom is sitting there trying to tell her son, you know, snakes are poisonous. And he's like, no, mom, they're venomous. And this is why. And he goes through this whole long, word for word, mind you, he quoted us on, you know, why snakes are venomous and not poisonous. So, again, thanks to everybody uh, who's here and who's, you know, been educating the public at large um hopefully we can you know like i said like chris said too and everybody else you know create a wider community to embrace the reptile community and not be so focused on all the negativity that goes on but maybe expose some of the uh you know the greater goods that actually come out of the reptile community such as the education aspects of it mm-hmm. and uh I don't know. I think that uh, about pretty much covers it for me. Has anybody else got any final thoughts on this? I, I think uh, that pretty much covers most of it, um, at least for me, anyways. Okay. All right. Come on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. How about our folks in Florida? You guys got anything that you want to add to this?
1: Well, I, I think the last thing that I want to say is, is really thank you for doing this because um, I've been walking around in a funk all day, kind of irritated. So you know, I, I actually am starting to feel like you know we can do this, we can fight back, and uh, there are a lot of other people out there that have that whatever it makes attitude. And you know, I think I think we can make a
5: difference.
0: Yeah, uh, very definitely. I very I definitely think so. And uh, Marsha, anything that you would like to add? Yeah, it's been set. All right, awesome. Well, folks, I definitely appreciate everybody's assistance on this. I apologize for all the technical difficulties that we had getting it started. But like I said, this was a random experiment that I just came up with at the day job while I was sitting there watching all this stuff on my phone through Facebook, you know, everybody going off about it. And I was like, you know what, let me get five people together or four or however many I can get at one time. And, uh, you know, let's have a conversation about it. So I've learned a lot um, as far as technology goes. <laughs> as far as including people on Skype phone calls all at the same time and what you have to do. Um, I haven't learned a thing about that. <laughs> That's okay, Marcia. You don't need to know that part. <laughs> I'm,
5: I'm, I'm, I'm an old lady. I, I, this
3: technology scares me. Should be worse than a farm in my backyard.
0: And so there you go, folks. That is uh, the conclusion of the Reptile Roundtail. We thank you once again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room, which is still your only independently owned and operated reptile podcast on the internet today. Uh, we would really love and appreciate you uh, checking out herphousemag.com. Uh, it's our easing that's dedicated to the content, not the advertisers. Uh, also, leave some comments. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Did we say something you liked that you didn't like? Let us know in the comments. We will respond within 24 hours to any comments made. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what was said and what your thoughts are as far as, you know, where do we go from here? What do we do? You know, uh, this is all about our own community. And if we don't step up to the plate now, you know, we obviously see what's going to happen. It's just going to keep going. To quote a really good friend of mine, uh, Mark Romanski from Moonstone Dragons, today it's pythons, tomorrow it's poodles. You know, and folks, we're not kidding. It's going to happen. You need to stand up, take a stand there's 63 million reptile owners out there and we only got 25,000 signatures on the last UARC, uh, USARC uh, signature gathering campaign. So that says a lot about us. Are you going to still, are you going to lay down? Are you going to make something happen? Or are you just going to run your mouth? Now's your chance.